like as you guys know, uh, second half of the show we answer questions live. We take the the first half uh, talking, uh, taking questions that came in throughout the week. Uh, so let's see here where we're at. Let's go. There we go. Thank you. Um, okay, Dr. Rogers has recommended pycnogenol supplement for possible pulsatile tinnitus. What dosage? There seems to be a variety of dosages sold depending on where you look. Uh, Doc, what's your thoughts on this? Man, the one I use is made from life extension. I can't tell you off the bat what the dose is. I'll get back with you on that. But, yeah, there's, you know, tinnitus is a, just a terrible problem. Um, Jenny has it. Uh, my older brother had it for years, and then he just went away one night. Uh, just overnight but um you know it really works well um for a lot of different things but tinnitus is one of those things that's kind of hit or miss it's either going to help you or not that's one of the hardest problems you'll ever see is ringing in the ears and there's a lot of different theories about it but uh, pycnogenol is also great for your heart you know I i certainly take one every night and um but the dose, I'll have to get back on with you on that. Usually, if it's some life extension, it's it's usually the right dose and it's pure. So, um, that's one supplement company I love. Have you talked uh, about pycnogenol for tinnitus? Is that what, what uh, are some other uses? I'm of not that? sure if I've ever. That may be a good podcast. Just talk about tinnitus. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it's frustrating to have that because it's very. Um, <laughs> it's it's hard to know the cause of it. Yeah. You know, maybe from uh loud noises through the years or you know so of course if it's combined with loss of hearing and dizziness it's Meniere's disease which is tough to treat too but you know the worst thing is a as a doc when you are in a room with a patient and you know you take care of their problem then on the way out of the door they say oh yeah my ears are ringing and you know that's you have to go oh, man we got to go back in there and try to tackle that one but uh or i'm dizzy or i'm dizzy or i passed out last night and you're going i wish you hadn't have said that but you passed out last night well, sit back down we need to figure this one out so sometimes uh thank god i don't use emrs and you know i don't have to search for codes i have time for the patients so uh, <laughs> but anyway uh, well let's let's get to the next one here we'll, we'll get uh, more information on pycnogenol here uh coming shortly uh, what do you all recommend for joint health, supplements slash dosage, et cetera? Thanks in advance. Yeah, that's a great question. Of course, as you get older, every one of us is going to have some joint problems. Um, you know, I really like uh, MSM. Uh, I love CBD for it. The best thing in hydration, you need, to, you need to drink a lot of water for your joints to lubricate those joints, and you have to move them. If you don't move them, they're going to get stiff. Um, of course, the old standby is glucosamine with chondroitin, you know, and that's not a bad supplement. I, I certainly think that MSM is a better supplement for joint health. Um, but actually, one of my CBD gummies is purely for joint health hmm. and muscle health, so I like that one a lot. Uh, I hope you can go to my sheet. I'll display the sheet that we have uh, four different gummies on there for it, but... Um, and also curcumin, of course, that's probably my favorite, turmeric. Um, that's really good for joints, and it's also good for your brain. Um, Let's leave this one up there. This is the, the Dr. Rogers Full Spectrum Muscle and Joint. 
which is what you were just talking about. Just for anybody who's wondering what's in that. Um, all right, cool. We'll it's move loaded. on. It's loaded. And if you go to my podcast from today, you'll know a little bit more about the different types of CBD, like CBG, CBDA, CBDV. I mean, CBDN. There's a lot of little variances and nuances to CBD. Uh, it's really not uh, simple. And the reason, one of the reasons I wanted my own formulations was because you know, you can get CBD at any local gas station. You don't know what you're getting, and I'd be afraid to take it. Mm -hmm. So these are pure, they're safe, and they work. They have, yeah. they have uh, the right milligrams in them. And, and also, I like, in answer to your question, of course, I love curcumin, turmeric, uh, MSM, um, increased fluids, move. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, vitamin sellers out there that promise joint health but um those are the ones i really like one other um, thing is just drinking more water too yeah yeah i feel like that, that that's like uh just right at your fingertips so you can start uh tonight uh, i see reedy tony's in the building reedy, reedy shout out to you man hey reedy so good to see you here thank you for hanging out with us uh let's get to the next question here uh see what we got um okay uh this is a hypothyroid question um, any suggestions to help with hypothyroidism uh, was caused by radiation treatments for throat cancer. Levothyroxine helps a lot, but there still seems to be some tiredness in getting cold, uh, cold easily. What's your thoughts on this? Great question, Wolf. Uh, congratulations on getting through throat cancer. Uh, certainly radiation um, can affect your thyroid, even if they don't irradiate the area it can affect you laterally but in any event um yeah you know thyroid is one of the main things that we do at performance medicine uh, we treat a lot of hashimoto's which is an autoimmune uh cause of low thyroid in your case it's radiation induced and um you're getting levothyroxine which is really the generic form of synthroid you know that's there's a, just a couple of medicines that i would never take a a generic brand and one of them I wouldn't take a generic Synthroid and I wouldn't take a generic Coumadin the blood thinner um, because those, those are the only two generics you wouldn't take really probably yeah. interesting um, at least the two that come to mind but yeah. uh, in any event because there's such a tight um, control on those medications that there's such a tight window of efficacy that um, and they come in so many different milligrams uh, my, you know, my preference is really uh, more the natural thyroids like Armour and NP thyroid because they have all the, uh, the forms of thyroxine in them. They have T1, T2, T3, T4. You're just getting the generic form of T4. So when you check your labs, you need to look at that very closely and make sure they check a free T3 because you may not be converting T4 into T3, which is the active form of of thyroid so if you're cold and, ha and you're tired and your hair's thinning your skin's dry you're constipated you're losing the lateral part of your eyebrows um, you have brain fog you're probably not getting enough of the right kind of thyroid so I, I like to look at the labs there's some there's such a wide range of normal labs for thyroid and I like to run it kind of on the high end you can even take your you know basal body temperature in the morning before you get out of bed and if it's low you know if it's 97 or below you've got a low thyroid i don't care what your labs show so um, you can treat it accordingly so in my opinion you also need to look at reverse 
T3, if, that's, if your T3 is normal and you're still symptomatic. Um, so look, at, look a little bit more in depth on those labs, maybe change the form of thyroid you're taking, and also look at other things. I mean, your cortisol and your insulin levels interact with, with your thyroid. They all, those glands talk to each other minute by minute. So say your cortisol's off, which nobody ever looks at besides us and some other uh, integrated medical doctors. Um, if your cortisol level's high, if you're too stressed, not sleeping, then you're not going to get that conversion of T4 to T3. If your insulin level's high and you're insulin resistant, it'll pop your cortisol level high and further affect your thyroid. So sometimes it gets kind of complex. You need to sort it out. You can't just tell somebody, well, you're normal. Take this levothyroxine. Obviously, you're cold. You're tired. You need to look into it a little bit more uh, deeply. Mm. But I hope you, you did well from your throat cancer and got over that. And uh, so make sure you check all yeah. those other labs, and, and there's a, there is help for you. So... Yeah, I, the the thyroid stuff is 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 really interesting because not not enough people are checking the right labs, and they're not definitely not taking the right medications. It seems. And a lot of times, I mean, sometimes they are. I'm not against levothyroxine. I prefer Synthroid, but in certain cases, you know, you have to you have to go a lot by symptoms, not just lab work. So uh, yeah. look into it a little bit differently and uh, get your doctor to consider that, or maybe see an integrative medical uh, practice like we have. Um, all right, let's get to the next one here. Uh, what helps with female androgenetic alopecia? Androgenetic. Uh, Did I spell uh, that wrong? Androgenic, I think. Androgenic. Yeah, androgenic. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a problem that we see quite a bit. Um, alopecia, or loss of hair, uh, has a lot of different causes. And, you know, you... you and I see a lot of females get the male pattern baldness as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's multifactorial, uh, but there's always help for it. You know, we do a lot of stuff with hair, trying to figure out why you're losing your hair. Uh, you know, men can tolerate it pretty well. Women don't like to lose their hair. A lot of times it has to do with hormones. I mean, you know, it's not as much inherited as it is hormonal, although um, certainly uh, genetics come into play here without a doubt but you can kind of stop it if you get it early and with females it's a lot easier to regrow hair than it is males is what I found so you definitely need your hormones checked in general um, hair loves estrogen but does not like testosterone or DHEA Uh, so you need to check all those levels and see if you're um, maybe have a little high uh, testosterone level. Um, And it's really not the testosterone, it's when the testosterone converts to dihydrotestosterone, DHT, which does two things. It makes your prostate bigger if you're a male, and it causes hair loss in male and female. So, but there's a lot of things you can do. You have a lot of treatments for it. Hopefully we can get it early. Um, We use a lot of medications for it. you know, certainly look at your thyroid and cortisol levels and all your hormone levels. And, and sometimes conditions like PCOS can cause that. Um, stress can even cause it um, as well. So, but there's a lot of treatments besides medications uh, like minoxidil orally, I think works really well. That's Rogaine that you can use topically, topically as well. But even on females that have no chance of getting pregnant, I use finasteride um, 
a lot. Um, we even, of course, the ultimate vitamin for that is biotin. Mm -hmm. um, we have shampoos that we use, um, but we like to find the root cause of the problem if we can. Um, and we even use, uh, sometimes we'll inject uh, PRP into the scalp and it, it regrows hair, works really well for that, males and females. Uh, but yeah, so it's a complex topic. Certainly you need to look at all your, your hormones and your factors that may cause that. Um, so there's a lot of things that are very helpful for that. We get a lot of hair loss questions. Sure we do. It's a real, like I feel like, uh, thank you for asking that question because I know it impacts a lot of people and um, I, it always surprises me when you say that about the testosterone uh, or yeah. hair hates testosterone. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's not real fond of it. Too much when it converts to DHT for sure. All right, let's get Why to do you think all those bodybuilders that abuse steroids are all bald? Have you noticed that? Well, I, I thought you were going to say something like Bruce Willis or something. You know, a very, you know, manly man who's bald. Yeah. You know, yeah. is that because he has too high of a testosterone level? I can't really postulate that. But I know if you go in the gym and you notice all the big, huge guys, they're all bald because they've abused steroids, that's which that, is testosterone. That's interesting. I, I didn't put that together. That's the reason, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right, mm -hmm. let's get to the next one here. Um, what was the name of, what was the name of what you like to inject for spider veins instead of saline? Uh, I think we're okay. Are we are we ty we're typing yeah. from the comments? Cool. All right, so we're going into the comments, guys. Uh, we'll put them up uh, this way. Uh, so if you have a question for Doc, go ahead and put them in the comments, uh, and we'll get to those. That's uh, a good question. Shortly. You know, we do a lot of work with spider veins through the years, and we I use polydocanol. It's actually, uh, it's an anesthetic medicine uh, discovered in Germany many, many years ago. So it, it also, so it has uh, the act of numbing. So it doesn't hurt like saline does. Saline, it's really painful. Plus if it gets outside the little veins that you're trying to inject, it can cause some local necrosis. So I never use hypertonic saline. It works to destroy the, the vein, but also may cause some local necrosis and surely pain. So I found polydocanol um, to be much better. It doesn't hurt as much. And the idea of these injections, sclerotherapy, um, and I use a vein light to really guide me to the, to the, what we call feeder veins that, so that they'll destroy the spider veins. I don't like using lasers so much for those either because, and we have lasers that do this, but um, it's too painful. I just don't get the results I do with sclerotherapy, but you need to look, you need to use a vein light to look for the deeper ones because if you just shut down those spider veins, they're going to come right back. Yep. Uh, so, you know, there's an art and a science to, to working with veins, that's for sure. But um, polydocanol is what I use. Does spider veins cause like pain in your legs is it it can, can yeah, be painful or is it, or is it, it just can aesthetic? if they can start bursting they can sure cause pain and really the spider vein is a is a sign of a deeper problem oh. with, with circulation yep. you know venous return venous incompetency so certainly you have you see people like that and you want to look dig a little deeper uh, they may they may need support hose uh, they frequent elevation more exercise, better calf muscles, um, and things like that. But uh, certainly it's more female preponderance mm -hmm. than it is male. Um, but uh, yeah, very interesting thing that we've treated. I've treated those for years, probably 
30 years, I bet, I've been injecting those things. Uh, Bianca's wanting the spelling of, of the polydocanol. Um, let's get that Bianca, one. you always put the hard ones to me. Uh, <laughs> P-O-L-I, polydocinol, polydocanol. Is that right? I think so. That's yeah. right. Should be right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, let's get to the next one here. Uh, we'll put that in there, Bianca, so you guys can see it. Uh, we got the next one. Okay, what brand and type of CBD do you recommend for anxiety and or insomnia and where to get it? So let's, let's talk about the, the different types of CBD for this. You I'll tell you where to get it, performance medicine. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I like the one that has CBN in it for insomnia. And I like one that has... Uh, let's see what my sleep blend has in it, so, right? CBDA, CBD, CBN, and, C, and regular CBD. Now, put um, if you can put my my one for anxiety that I I call the calm focus one, relaxation. Now this is a delta eight. Yeah. Now, if you really want to get relaxed and you have a lot of anxiety, you need to think about taking delta eight, and you know, everybody talks about Delta-8. It's the current buzzword with CBD. And actually, De what Delta-8 is, and if you listen to my podcast, you'll find out more about it, but Delta-8 is a really a form of THC, which is medical marijuana. They just get around, they make it legal because Delta-9 THC is the only one that's illegal. Delta-8, at least in our state and most others, is a legal way to get some THC. And THC does have, um, you know, psychogenic properties. So, you know, it, it can it can really relax you. Some people can't tolerate it because it's almost um, like medical marijuana, except it is half as potent as uh, the Delta Nine THC. Right. The only right. difference is is really one uh, double bond at one of the carbon chains. If you'd like to look into chemistry, but. Um, so it's really interesting about Delta-8. Um, it's definitely the most potent one for anxiety. Um, you know, if, and I suggest if you do take this, start out at a half of one. And the thing about taking gummies is you're really not sure exactly when it's going to kick in. Everybody's a little different. Uh, so don't take it in an hour later. So this didn't do anything. You take right. another one. Because they last for, typically a gummy lasts for about six hours. So... Just be cautious with Delta-8. Yeah. You know, some people don't like uh, that much relaxation. Yeah. And uh, kind of like medical marijuana, if they could get a little paranoid, or it could actually increase your anxiety. Um, so start, so start, so off start with out with a half one of those. Yeah. But they're really, I mean, they're really good. A lot of, a lot of people really like the Delta-8 because it's definitely a lot more potent than, than CBD. Yeah. Um, but I like that. I like that boost, you know, one that I call the calm focus energy, yep. which is kind of an oxymoron, but it really does have that effect on you. So, um, so I'd probably start out with that one. Then, you know, if you don't notice much, um, then uh, go to uh, try half of a Delta Eight starting out. And uh, thank you, Katie, for putting this in there. If, if, you, if you're not close to a performance medicine or uh, if you're uh, away from Tennessee, uh, there's uh, CB, uh, CBD Plus uh, is all over the country, and they, ca they carry really, really good CBD. Uh, so, so check right. those guys out uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, all right, let's get to the next one here. Um, can you order Cleveland panel? Can you order Cleveland panel at a lab out of state, or can I walk in and request it? Is it still being covered by insurance? Um, yeah, you can get the Cleveland heart panel through any Quest lab. Um, you know, my Cleveland is kind of specific, so I include a lot of stuff on there that's not on a normal Cleveland heart panel, like the hormones and the TMAO, and that, you know, mine's kind of loaded. Uh, so you certainly can, though. I mean, that panel is available anywhere in the United States. Does insurance cover it? You know, most of the time, you know, a lot of times I get in trouble with that by saying this is covered by insurance and people have weird insurance policies and they may make you do a copay. But for the most part, if you have, um, you know, a pretty decent insurance, it, it covers it. There, there will be a copay on it. And again, uh, with insurance companies, I hate making a blanket statement because yeah. insurance companies don't want to pay for anything. That's why I don't, I don't use insurance to pay for an office visit. Myself, I hate dealing with insurance companies, and I refuse to, and it's been the best thing I've done in the last 17 years. It's why my practice is so good is because I don't deal with insurance companies. But for things like labs, especially for a comprehensive lab like this, um, Certainly, if you have insurance and you pay for it, you want to use it for what you can get. Like if I send somebody for an x-ray or, you know, a specialist or an MRI, of course you, you want to use your insurance for those type of things. So for the most part, yes. I mean, some people will pay $40 copay. I've seen it. I've seen some people have to pay three or $400. That's rare. Um, you know, hardly anybody really uh, cares about it. If you had to pay cash for that would be, be thousands of dollars for what you get if you put it, you know, one by one. But uh, so I th it's a bargain really for about anybody and we get so much uh, information. But yeah, you know, check out the Cleveland Heart Panel. Uh, yes, uh, Kay's saying that you can't you can't get it without a provider order. So you do need an order uh, from a physician or a, or a PA nurse practitioner uh, for a Cleveland heart panel. Uh, thank you for putting that in there. Yeah, so Katie. tell your doctor you'd yeah. like a Cleveland heart panel. There's no yeah. reason they should turn you down. The only problem I've come up with Cleveland's is, um, like some doctors, probably most doctors, don't know how to interpret the whole thing. Um, so. You know, a lot of times doctors really shouldn't order labs if they don't know how to interpret my opinion. So you may have to go to somebody that really is very familiar with it. And doc doctors typically, and this is something I emphasize to these, these group of men I was speaking to today, doctors sometimes are weird people. They get a little arrogant at times. Uh, I don't get arrogant, do I? Have you ever known me to be arrogant with an ego or anything? Not really. Not really. <laughs> I have no ego, but uh, but anyway, doctors do, they get bothered by patients asking them to do something. Um, it's, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a great funny story of a new patient that we got a couple weeks ago. I don't think I've told this yet on here, but uh, we got a great uh, new patient a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think it was in the Johnson City Clinic. Um, but anyway, very nice um, gentleman probably mid-60s uh, and, and all. He, he asked his doctor about something, uh, and his doctor replied to him, you listen to me, I'm the doctor. And that just rubbed me. And so the patient, 
left the doctor and he came sure. in and says, can you treat me? I, I'm just, uh, that's not right. And this guy's an engineer. He's a very smart guy. And so that rubbed me the wrong way. And I, I told him that what the way doctors should be is they should say, I want to listen to you. You know, I'm not so arrogant as to say, I'm the doctor. I know everything because doctors don't know everything. So they should listen to their patients. And if they don't know something, you know, make a referral to somebody who does know something. So that really graded on me. And I, I like to use that as an example. Um, so the Cleveland panel is just a great panel um, that's really interesting to look at. Another quick story that I had from a few years ago. This is back when we did the Boston Heart Panels, which is very similar. It's out of Harvard, and this one's out of the Cleveland Clinic, two pretty reputable places. Yeah, yeah. In any event, I had a patient that came in to get a Boston Heart Panel, and uh, uh, he got it. And um, this was a heart patient who had some stents, and I said, do you, do you ever see your cardiologist, you know, once every year or two to follow up with him for your stents? And he said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I see him next week. And I go, well, gosh, take this Boston heart panel in with all the blood work and, you know, show him that. He won't have to draw any more lab work. Everything he needs is right here. So he did it, and uh, a couple months later, I saw the patient back for something else, and I said, by the way, you know, what'd your heart doctor say about your heart? Um, he goes, well, I'm not going to see that heart doctor anymore. I go, why not? Because I took him the Boston heart panel, and he looked at it, and immediately threw it in the trash can and said, this is BS. <laughs> and I just laughed my head off and uh, thinking, why in the world would he do something like that? And here's the most comprehensive heart panel you can get from Harvard. And uh, I talked with one of my other cardiology buddies who happens to be my next-door neighbor, <laughs> friends, and he, he's just top-notch. And he laughed his head off, too, when I told him the story. And he says... I'll tell you why. He didn't know how to interpret it. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. Uh, but anyway, so, yeah, try to get to Cleveland if, you're hard, if, you're, if your doctor won't agree to it. You know, we do a lot of telemedicine. Certainly you can do it uh, with us. We can, we can send you a form to get. And it's different if you're male or female. Sure. And um, then we can go over it with you uh, through telemedicine. We do a lot of telemedicine. I go over a lot of Cleveland's by telemedicine. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's the best, I think the best thing we do is the Cleveland Heart Panel. And it's a really good start out to uh, start out with our practice because it's really so comprehensive. It gives us time to really know more about you. Um, and certainly uh, the numbers are just fantastic to know. I'm a big believer in screening blood work. You say so. that you say that often. You say that is the like definitely the the best thing that we do and probably the best way to start out. Yeah, the the best thing we do is listen to our patients and have time for the patients. But but yeah, as far as lab work and a yeah. good place to start, get get the pulse and kind of plan the trajectory of your of your health as the years go on. Uh, the Cleveland panel is a great place to start. And you're once a year? Once a year for the This depends. I mean, I get one twice a year. Twice a year. That's because my Medicare covers it twice a year, and I want to look at it. So for most people, once a year, unless mm -hmm. you've got, you know, you're a diabetic or you've got a lot of problems, and I like to get it twice a year. Okay. All right, let's get to the next one. Let's see here. Great Cleveland question. Uh, all right, let's get to Mark. Um, with the endocannabinoid system being expressed in human airway epithelial cells, 
What's your thoughts on using a nasally administered a nasally administered CBD for anosmia? Well, you can't smell. Yeah. Anosmia or hyposmia. Yeah. Um, I think it's great for that. Again, there's receptors. Your endocannabinoid system. You said that better than I did. Um, I was nervous. It's really, um, you know, it's we're the one of the main neuroregulators of your whole body. And, you know, it's been demonized in, in the United States, at least since the 1920s. But, you know, people have been using it. It's a plant, hemp. It, it comes from hemp. But um, it's been used for thousands of years for all kinds of things, and it works. But, um, you know, I don't have a lot of feedback on it yet as far as it, if it helps that. Um, certainly, you know, if nicotine is one thing i use for that that's on one of my podcasts and i certainly like nicotine but it's a you know it's a good it's a good thought to use um to try to see if it would help somebody um it's kind of one of those things like ldn it really has it's multifaceted and sometimes it'll help things out that you never would have thought it would help um we use a lot of methylene blue off label too you know a lot of things doctors use or certainly off-label there's you know it, it's certainly um, medicines that are FDA approved you can use them for different reasons legally it doesn't have to be FDA approved for that use so um, it's a good thought um, you know Mark always does a deep dive on a lot of this stuff and and uh, he's got a lot of good insight on this stuff so yeah we'll we'll maybe do our own little in-house study on that and see if it helps because we're seeing a lot of this yeah. um, uh, thanks, Mark. Uh, Mark, thank you for that question. All right, let's. Uh, do we have any other questions? What, what question are we on? Oh, Ozempic. Okay, um, Ozempic helped a little bit, but once I went up to 0.5, I ate and craved food bad. I had no side effects from Ozempic at all, except the small decrease at first and the huge increase when I went up. Uh, what's your advice for this? I'm, I'm sure you're seeing something like this all the time. Um, I don't see this all the time. That when you go up. Oh, up on the dose of Ozempic, uh, you know, you crave more food. I have heard it one other time, uh, but you're number two. So I don't know why. Um, you know, usually when you go up on the dose, it, it's more potent, and it actually it's supposed to suppress your appetite more the higher you go, uh, therefore more nausea because of delayed gastric emptying. But you, you are the second person that's told me this. Um, so what I would do is, um, you know, again, if it's not causing you any other problem, um, like nausea, you could, you could either do one of two things. You can go back down to 0.25, which is really a starter dose to get everybody over the nausea and accustomed to it. But you could actually, if you wanted to pop it up to one milligram and see what that did. And if that causes you to eat more and crave more than Ozempic's just not the one for you. I mean, all medicines can have the opposite effect uh, in about 1% of the patients. So like a lot of people will take Benadryl, and most everybody gets sleepy on Benadryl. But there's a, there's a subset of people that get hyped up with Benadryl. Hmm. And it has to do with what kind of metabolism they have genetically. Um, coffee makes some people go to sleep. You know, and uh, it depends on whether you're a fast or a slow metabolizer with coffee. Um, you know, a lot of times, too, if coffee makes you go to sleep, 
I immediately think I'll give you the ADD quiz because a lot of times <laughs> that will work for ADD um, to calm you down instead of it's a stimulant that calms you down instead of hypes you up. A lot of times that's ADD, but uh, <laughs> just on the side, we treat a lot of adult ADD. But that's interesting. So either do one of those t two things. If you're if you're having success with it for weight loss and drop back down at 0.25, I have a lot of people just stay there and you know just use that for weight loss until they learn to eat less carbs and you know get their diet all straightened out but especially if you're a diabetic you know you want to go up on it you certainly could um super interesting you certainly could it it may be the the timing although it's a once a week uh long acting uh medication so it'd be interesting to see if it causes you to crave on day one or uh i'm sure there's a lot of stuff we're going to find out other off-label uses of ozempic in the future it's really supposed to be good for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease it's, it's heart protective you know it, it may be the the drug of the decade probably is for a lot of other purposes as well but uh so keep us informed either go up or drop back down and let us know what happens all right, love it. Thank you so much for that question. Um, all right, I think we've got this question. Let's go to the next one here. Where are we at? All right, there we go, Hashimoto question. Is there a connection between Hashimoto's and a bulging forehead, like right above the eyebrows, or is that hormonal? That's usually hormonal. Um, you think about too much growth hormone um, with that one. Um, you know, now Graves' disease, which is also an autoimmune thyroid disorder, means that you have too much thyroid, your thyroid's hyperactive, and that can cause bulging eyes, if that's what you're talking about. Um, and that, that's a, an ocular problem, um, but, and, and a dangerous ocular problem. But Hashimoto's can certainly cause loss of lateral part of your eyebrow but I don't think it's going to cause a bulging forehead that I know about um, look at uh, acromegaly is usually what causes a bulging which is uh, usually a pituitary growth um, puts out too much growth hormone um, if you ever see a guy in the, in the gym that's got a huge protruding jaw and a and in a almost a prehistoric looking forehead, you automatically think that person's taking growth hormone. Really? Uh, and they're overdoing it, yeah. Huh. Um, yeah, it's called acromegaly. Um, Andre the Giant, take a look at him. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Yeah, sure can, it, it longs your jawline too. Um, all right, thank you for that Good question. question. Uh, let's get to Lori's question here. Have you heard of benfotamine vitamin causing uh, a high heart rate? Thiamine, yeah, I have heard of in some people that causes a high heart rate. Um, you know, that's the best form of that vitamin. Um, but so you, if it does, don't take it. You know, all the B vitamins are kind of stimulatory in a way. Mm -hmm. That's why you take them for energy. But uh, yeah, I have heard of that. Um, so if you're one of those people, you probably can't take it. Great question there, Lori. Thank you for that. Let's get to Mama B's place. Um, having a hard time getting the right dosage for hormone therapy. 
then uh, they go on to say, let's see here, is the ratio usually three to one being estrogen to progesterone? Uh, you've been working with me on this. What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, no, it's usually higher than that. It's usually more like eight to 10 to one um, estrogen to progesterone. But yeah, you know, a lot of times, you know, with women, their hormones are definitely a lot harder than men's hormones. Men are easy to treat. Men, us men are simple creatures. We're dumb. We're not as smart as women. Women have a tougher time balancing hormones. A lot of it depends on what age you are. Um, and, you know, because a lot of times, they're like men, they're just on a slow decline of testosterone. Women have four hormones to worry about, and they pulse. And they, you know, they don't just... And they drop, the different hormones drop off at different times. So usually the first one to drop off is more progesterone. You get estrogen dominant, which causes a lot of problems. Um, and, you know, a lot of it depends, too, on the form that you're taking, you know, creams versus pellets. A lot of times if I'm doing creams and are not absorbing right, uh, you should think about pellets. I don't like to use oral estrogens or testosterone. Some doctors will, but I don't like to because to go through your liver can affect your clotting factors, uh, can affect your gallbladder, precipitate gallstones, that type of thing. Um, but yeah, you just keep working on it. You know, there's, there's three different forms of estrogen too that we work with or that we see. So a lot of times we'll do more extensive testing like something called a Dutch test, which is a urinary estrogen metabolite test. It's kind of expensive and it's complex, um, but sometimes it comes down to us doing a Dutch test. Look up Dutch test um, to look and see what it has on it. But um, So sometimes I'll use different ratios of estriol to estradiol and you know, it's just a, and it changes as, as you go on in your life, as you add years to your life, sometimes your estrogen metabolizes a little different. And if it's a cream that you're working with, I can't recall, but a lot of times I'll get a better result using a pellet. Very few women that I do pellets on ever go back to the creams. It's definitely male or female, the best way to replace your hormones. Um, but uh, we'll work more with you. Um, yeah, oral progesterone put me over the top with anxiety. That's interesting because progesterone is supposed to, it's like a woman's Valium for most women. It's, it's the one that really calms them down and brings the estrogen level down. Um, so, you know, most women, if they get too much testosterone, it would cause that. But you may be one of those that kind of genetically has a little different metabolism, um, like like I was just talking about, taking Benadryl may hype you up. And so there's probably some different kind of gene in there. Uh, a lot of times we'll look at the way you methylate, uh, you know, the MTHFR gene. There's a CBS gene. I mean, you can take a pretty deep dive on uh, genetics. And, uh, but, what, you know, we just continue to work with you. If, you. if you have a uterus, you cannot take unopposed estrogen. You have to have some progesterone in there. Otherwise, the estrogen can overstimulate your uterus. So, um, and I and I really think even women that have uterus benefit by progesterone. So, hmm. progesterone in itself may be the most important female hormone uh, as far as balance goes. So, we just need to work a little more for it. You know, there's been very few women that couldn't take any hormones, but I've seen them. Interesting. You know, some women 
it gets, it gets so frustrating uh, for them and me and practitioners that you just have to say, hey, I don't think you should, you can't take the hormones. We're going to do everything else we can. That's rare, rare. But uh, um, she already had the Dutch test. The so Dutch you're test. one of those complex patients uh, that, you know, it's going to be tough. We may need to just um, change the formulation. So uh, we'll continue to work with you and, and see where we, can, where we go with that. But get in to see me probably and um, see where we can go. All right. Thank you for that Mama Bee's place for putting that in there. I really appreciate that. That's a great question. And, you know, getting the, the, uh, the ratios right, is I, I, I know how important that is. You know, just yeah. getting the, is it the progesterone to estrogen the most important ratio in uh, hormone therapy for that's, women? That's the main one we think about. You yeah. know, testosterone is a little different. It's, it's more separate, although your testosterone you can aromatize into some estrogen. But, uh, you know, maybe I'm just not smart enough to regulate that. I don't know. I'll, I'll, have to, I'll do more studying, Mama B. I'll try to come up with something for you. Um, all right, let's see here. Do we have any more questions? It seems that... Uh, we are out. Uh, goodness, we got such a great crowd in here tonight. I see Grandma Mary. I see Jamie's in hey. here. Man, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. Let's see. Am I, am I missing anybody? Uh, let's see. Man, so good. What 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 a great. Uh, I see Reedy Reedy's in there as well. Carter and Katie's in there. Uh, man, we really appreciate you guys hanging out with us on these Tuesday evenings. Uh, as I said before, we do this every single Tuesday at 7 o'clock. Uh, this is the Performance Medicine Show. We answer their health and wellness questions. Yeah, that was how, fantastic. How do you think we did? Uh, I think you did real well. I, did, I thought I did great. Yeah. Like, honestly. You did better than I did. You know, <laughs> I may take you out to dinner. You know, while we're, down to, we're here in downtown Knoxville, right across from Nayland Stadium. Yeah. So, or, or is it Nealon or Nalen? I say, I think I say. Some people I say Neyland. I, I think I say Neyland. I think it's supposed to be Neyland. I know. Let's take I, a vote on that. I do you think know, I our say. Our UT Vols are doing great this year. Of course, that's where we both went. Ben was actually an All-American tennis player <laughs> at, at uh, University of Tennessee. He won't tell you that. He's a pretty long time modest. ago. A long yeah. time ago. I actually uh, played on the tennis team for a while, but I, I certainly wasn't an All-American. Uh, look, yeah. Matt's only here. Not. Matt is only here for Ike. I know it. Uh, you don't even have to. You don't even have to pretend that yeah. you're here for me and Dad. I know it. You're here for Ike. Uh, Ike is. Ike is going to come. He, he'll be back next week. I promise. Uh, and we'll see. Terry's in here as well. Terry, great to see you. Hey, Terry. Uh, thank you all so much for hanging out with us tonight. Um, what do you think, Mom? In the bag, will you uh, send us out with the outro? We're gonna. <laughs> Where, am I, where are we at? Uh, Carter, thank you for the kind words. Uh, Jamie, thank you for the kind words. Uh, we really, what, what else do we need? We need to, um, if you guys have not subscribed to the YouTube channel, uh, we're, we're going to build up the YouTube channel. We're going to uh, have two now. We're opening up uh, or creating another YouTube channel called Outside the Box. Uh, that is in the works, so be on the, the lookout for that. That'll be where Dive Into Diet and Explain This is. Uh, we're actually recording a bunch of uh, Explain This episodes uh, tomorrow. Uh, and this is the grand opening for uh, Performance Medicine of Fountain City. Thank you for putting this up here. Uh, leave that back up there. Put that up one more time uh, so people can see. Uh, it is 112 Hotel Road. It's in Fountain City, which is about 10 minutes outside of downtown Knoxville. 
Uh, we're doing specials uh, on this day only, October 28th. And uh, we're pumped that Tony Basilio is going to be doing his show uh, from from our new location there. Uh, so we're excited about that. I man. love Tony Basilio. Tony B. All right, we're good. He's, he's the man with UT Sports. He's you know? the man. He's, he's, he's come to our place in Kingsport before. And yeah. He's just an amazing guy. Yep. I love talking with him. Huge shout out to, to Tony B. Uh, thank you in advance for uh, hanging out with us on October 28th. Uh, Karen, thank you so much for the kind words. D. Lynn, thank you so much. We're, we're pumped to be back up on YouTube as well. Um, all right, we're going to get out of here, guys. Uh, we really appreciate you. We're going to go get some dinner. Um, on me, on me. You're going to take care of it? Yeah, I'll take care of it. Tonight. Dinner on Doc tonight. Uh, guys, we're going to be back uh, next Tuesday at 7. Be on the lookout for new episodes of Explain This, Dive Into Diet, The Common Sense MD. Um, and this, uh, if you guys, we have the microphones because this is uh, also a podcast. So this goes up on the Outside the Box podcast on Apple, Spotify, uh, the whole thing. Roel, miss you, man. So good to see you. All right, let's send this away. Thanks, guys. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.